Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We have a special treat today. We have Cindy Nole, and she has come here to share her love story. She and her husband have been married for quite a while, and they've retired together, and they are one of those successful love stories for everybody who is dreaming of marriage or dreaming of connecting with someone and lasting for a lifetime. She's here to tell us about that and be our inspirational story for the day. Thank you for coming on, Cindy. Well, thank you for having me. And I love your your theme of rock your cradle. And um, sometimes I feel like I did rock it and other times it was rocking me. But um, I hear, I'm here now as a veteran and I hope that I can just be inspiring um, to those who are maybe not in the same is the same footsteps or the same pace that I have. And um, yeah, I just love the idea that women are empowering women and that stories are, are really good teachers. And you are a retired hairdresser in the Niagara Falls region. And you've been married for how long now? We've been married for 26 years. That's amazing. All right. Well, can we start off with hearing about you and where you grew up and how you came to meet your husband and your love story. This is going to be fabulous. Thank you. Well, yes, thank you. Um, I like the way that you um, broke things up as as who I was before um, I was married and had children. And um, and then, you know, how we progressed through those three major um, phases. So whenever I graduated high school, I was young. I was only 17. And um, I kind of got a little bit shunned from my friends when everybody was going off to college and university and I didn't know what I was doing. And um, and I ended up just washing hair for this lady. And then I ended up, you know, following through with schooling and becoming the hairdresser um, that, that, you know, really served me well. And I really like in this day and age that um, we're starting to get back to uh, inviting our children to go through trades and not just go through all the books and there's benefits to both um but this served me so well and there are so many just so many things that i just love to share with the audience that you know get your trade i was my own boss um i was at home with the children and you know i could scoot off wherever and still manage to um you know make my clientele really happy and you know we had this really good relationship they're uh, actually very very loyal and even through moving three different times they followed me to my next home salon and so, yeah, and we just we just retired through the uh, COVID incident. And um, I'll always be a hairdresser, obviously. And um, just wanted to say, yeah, so my my career picked me more than what I picked it. And um, I stayed I stayed with it the whole time. And I'm really happy about that. And you said you met your husband through your career. Yes, that's true. Um, so I, I grew up around the Ottawa area and then I was, um, actually went through kind of a sad and heavy love story. I was dating for like six years to this fella and then that, you know, ended and that forced me to come to this area. And so it was just my, you know, building myself, living on my own and starting a whole new clientele and this and that. And, um, so I ended up in the Niagara region and, um, trying to find the perfect fella. And I was remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I'll never find that perfect fella. And then I was told, write a list of everything you want in a man and put it in your Bible. So I did that and then I just surrendered to it all. And I had a lot of um, blind dates that I'd rather not go through. So this time, this lady said, how are you ever going to find your husband if all you do is go to a girl's gym and go to church and work and, and never go out? Because, you know, when you stand on your feet all day, you don't go out very much. And I said, well, actually, I saw this really good looking guy in church the other day and I described her him to her. And she said, oh, my gosh, that sounds like somebody that works with my husband. And so behind the scenes, she went to her husband and that man went to this now husband and said, hey, do you ever go to this church? And he says, no, but I can. And so I'm like, OK, no more blind dates. Like if somebody wants to meet me, send them into the salon because I can't go through that anymore. So that actually happened and he sat in my chair and <laughs> I knew who he was and I don't know if he knew the whole thing, but I was just really good at having a poker face. And um, so after he went home after his haircut and then asked me out the next day and that was like uh, we had a coffee and I was actually in a, in a hair competition in Toronto. So I said, uh, okay, I'll meet you at the end of the day. 
And then after that, it was, we were three months after that, that we were engaged from the very first time I saw him. And then I was, um, and then we were married in September of that year. So it was seven and a half months from the time I met him to the time that we were married. And it, it wasn't because we were pregnant or anything. It was just because we just wanted to get married. He's older than me. And then I was 27 at the time. So you kind of have, you know, who you want and who you don't. You know a little bit more about who your partner is going to be. After all those blind dates, you kind of know. And that, that was the beginning of the story. That's a really fun beginning. Very romantic and very, it sounds almost like a movie. <laughs> like it should be adapted into a movie. So what were the sort of things you put on your list? Oh, well, I wanted him to be professional. I wanted him to be not just a pencil pusher professional. Sorry to any offensive, but I wanted him to like, you know, work with his hands. And, um, and then I said, I want him to be Catholic and not too much debt. Um, and then I also described that, you know, dark hair and a little bit more like stockier than like a taller and thinner person. And, and I, that's, that was it. I got on my list. <laughs> I did. It's impressive. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So was he looking to date at that time as well? Yes. Perfect. Yes. I, I think actually more than I was at that. He owned a house just out, just in the same neighborhood that I was cutting hair. And it was a cute little, um, it's a cute little historical town. And um, I'm sure he drove by Vassalon how many times and it was just so close. You know, you know, he's just so close to crossing paths. And then, you know, fast forward, his family is in Montreal, um, so he speaks French. And then for him to go back to Niagara, where he lived, where he where he moved to as an adult, he would have to pass very close to the highway that would take me to my hometown. So when I go see my family, um, we're, we, right, we just kind of scoot off the highway and then we go see his family. So it was one of those things where I just, the fate was just so close. Oh, that is brilliant. So obviously we have to hear how he proposed and then how the wedding was. And then we can get into the the real life with the kids coming and all of that. Yes. Well, it it, it was a very interesting. So he proposed um, in May and it was really cold and he took me on a picnic. And once he had that ring in his, in his you know, he made the ring for me. Um, and they always say, once the fella has that ring, it burns a hole in their pocket. And so he took me out on this uh, really historical place in, in Niagara. And um, he asked me to marry him. And I, I swear to God that at some point I look out at all the shrubbery and everything wasn't moving. And then I'm like, wait, what happened? Like, it was like somebody pushed pause on, on the wind. And then of course I said, yes, <laughs> but it was really surreal that, that that happened in, in the park. And I was, yeah, I was definitely saying yes to that one. And you got married four and a half months later? Yes. For those yes. Yeah, we got married in my hometown. Um, and um, and it was interesting because because everything was so quickly um, planned. I just had one one stand up and my husband just had one stand up. We didn't have any of the any of the other, like all the bridesmaids because it was five hours from where I live. So you're trying to plan a wedding five hours away. And then of course his parents were even further. They're like seven and a half hours away. Um, and my, my mom and my, my mom's aunt or my mom's sister, my aunt said, Oh, why don't you have the twins in the wedding? I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. I don't want to have anybody in the wedding, but thanks, you know, have them come, but I don't want to have to plan all that. So then, um, I can't remember where he's, oh yeah. And then the reason why we got the church in such notice was because there was um, like a country fair going on and nobody gets married when you have that fair going on. And so I'm like, oh, wow, the church is available. That's a miracle. And then my friends that came to the wedding, because they still live there, they're like, why would you have your wedding on the fair weekend? I'm like, I don't know why I forgot that it worked out good for us. So you got, oh, that sounds funny. You got married, and then where did you guys move to? Did you stay? Both. Sorry? Did you stay where you both were working? So I, I left my apartment, and I moved into his home, and um, I stayed working in that place for a while. Um, and then we had um, a few trips, so I'd like to share the... We had a honeymoon in Cuba, and then we thought we would have another 
little getaway in Paris um, that spring. And so um, it turns out um, that's where I'm conceived in Paris in the springtime. And there was this lady walking and I, I saw her like looking and smiling and we were alone in this parkway. And I, and I, she was like smiling and smiling. And I was looking down at myself thinking like, what's wrong? Like, is my stomach sticking out? And I said to him, I go, I think she thinks that I'm pregnant. And, and that, and we, we turned out because once we got home, um, our, my doctor said, yeah, you're, you're having twins. And so I was probably showing a lot quicker than most, but I wasn't showing then. So somehow that woman, maybe I was showing then, but for some reason that woman was like staring at me like I was glowing in pregnancy. And I, that was that that scene was just in, imprinted in my mind because I I thought she was mistaken. Well, that's a, that sounds romantic as well. <laughs> so you're very nice thing. And you had twins then. Yes, yes. So then I didn't know we had twins in our family other than there was two little flower girls that were invited to go to the wedding. I I, I didn't realize. But then on his side of his family, he has. Um, identical twins too but for some reason I didn't cue in on any of those any of those scenarios and so we end up having identical twins together um, and probably better that I didn't know it was coming <laughs> just kind of happened <laughs> so we we managed together that was a wonderful gift and it was it was um, it was wonderful gift it's just again I had to have lean into my faith and just make sure that I wasn't worried about certain things um, turned out that we had to change doctors and then change cities and then we end up going to like a university hospital and um, my idea with having like um, the doula was that was not that's not going to happen if we were had to go in and, and I had to have a c-section and this and that and it worked out okay it wasn't exactly you know the home birth that I thought I was going to have um, but that worked out really well we were always like ahead of anything that could have happened and then my, um, the one day they, and we knew we were having girls. We had a lot of ultrasounds and they knew that there were girls. So we actually named them in the, in the womb. He named one and I named one. And then there was one day leading up to Christmas. They said, okay, you're done. You're not going to work. Um, because the blood flow was starting to like have problems. So they wanted to make sure that the, each of the babies had, had a proper blood flow. They said, nope, you got to get your feet up. But I didn't have to like go in the hospital or anything. So. That, that Christmas, I had to disappoint my, my Christmas clients because I wasn't going to work, but I uh, managed to stay at home and the time just flew. And, and by the time we had our first anniversary, I was five months and we squeezed in one more trip. We went to St. Martin and I swear that the people on the beach thought that I was going to give birth because I was had twins. So I looked like I was extra large, but we had the okay from the doctor. Um, so we had one more trip from then. And then when the babies came, um, it was a beautiful day in February and we had our family come and visit. But other than that, um, my mother-in-law, um, was able to say, spend six weeks with us and help us out with that. God bless her. Um, and then after that, it was just kind of he and I, he, he had, he had a, like a corporate job and he was working all day. And then, you know, he'd come, he'd come home. And by the time the, um, the twins were, uh, three months, um, I was storing some of my breast milk and hoping that, you know, they would be able to have that by the time I go to work. Um, so he would, we would like tag team and I'd go out to the salon that we had in the garage at the time. And then he would handle these two little babies or still three months, right? They weren't really sitting up on, on their own too well. Um, and I was so disappointed whenever the, the breast milk ran out so quickly. I, I was devastated because I was like nursing these two. And then I'd put them down and then I'd go pump, double pump, and then I might eat something and then darn little kids would wake up again. And it was just this, it was like, it was just 24 hours of trying to, and so I was actually really disappointed about that milk, but I'm thankful, thankful that we had that, that was three months that of that anyways. That just reminds me of the insanely intense need and and schedule that you have when you do have those young babies and it's it's crazy and it's sleep deprived and it's exhausting and it feels like every day is taking so long but then after that time has passed it feels like it was really brief i agree um like time for me goes way faster now as a retired person than it 
it seemed to then, and I needed that time, I needed to be able to finish all those all those tasks and some self-care. But it's true, it, it did kind of drag on. Um, but I still managed to collect a whole bunch of pictures and, you know, do a whole thing before I before I had a nice cell phone back then. Um, so it was basically like developing those pictures. Um, yeah, and we had a really beautiful backyard and we had a really nice neighborhood. But I just remember those kids, they they didn't need to have their little nappies. And I was just hoping, please go have your nappy. And if we were to think about the ups and downs um, in Canada, maybe not, maybe it's worldwide, there was this Berber method where they had said, let your children cry to sleep. And if I was to have a regret, I would not ever do that again. Um, we, I'd go in and I'd try to soothe them and, you know, pat them in their little cribs and stuff. But damn it, I would have, oops, I shouldn't say that. I would have picked them up and put them in my arms and I would have slept hopefully with them. But um, that was my regret to follow that advice because I was trying really hard to like let this process work. And I would feel that I I think that there would be a risk of having them bond with the mom, especially with going with the fact that I had a C-section. And if I was to, if I was to go back and tell myself, I would say, make sure that they have time on your chest. Because at the time in this, in this university hospital, I think there was, I think there was like 12 people in that room. There was nurses and doctors and yeah, the each everybody I had a doctor, the kids had a doctor, and everybody had nurses. And then during that all that time, like my husband got to hold one and then my sister got to hold one. And all I got to see was the little nose go by. And I thought, why why wouldn't they give that chest time? So if I was to go back and, and, and encourage a nami, another mommy, and then there's the other thing too where they were talking about leaving the umbilical cord on a little bit longer for the kids. And I think that I would go back and say, Hey, is that something we can do? Um, but other than that, you know, I have bonding with my children. In fact, we have we have the boomerang kids that keep coming back home to live. So I don't think the bonding was fractured too badly back then. Yeah, things have changed a lot since and how they approach. I think a lot of places now leave that umbilical cord longer. Oh, I did want to mention something before I move on too far forward. Um, when you said nappy, you were referring to sleep, yes, to... Okay, because yeah, here in the UK, when someone says nappy, it means diaper. <laughs> That's the phrase over here. So I just want to clarify for anyone listening in the UK, um, she was actually referring to nap time. <laughs> um, and were they good? Were they? Um, I mean, I hate to say good, but because I this is one thing everybody says. Oh, do you have a good baby? And what they really mean is, does your baby sleep a lot? And are they quiet? And do they not bother you that much? Um, but I guess what I'm trying to ask is, were they healthy and growing well? They were healthy and growing well. They were only two ounces apart and two minutes apart. So they were, so me getting off my feet was, was a good idea so that that whole blood flow would, would be shared between them. So that was really fortunate for that. Um, I guess they were sleeping, but I was chewing up the time doing whatever I was supposed to do with, you know, cleaning up and, you know, doing the, the breast milk. Um, but when they were little and they were supposed to be sleeping, they would want to get out of their little beds because they had those little toddler beds later on. And then I remember like putting them in bed and then holding the doorknob. And my gosh, I don't know how strong they were, but they were pulling on the doorknob to open the door. And then I'd walk them down the street. We have a double stroller and I'd be walking down the street and I'd go look and they had their eyes wide open. And I'd be walking and walking, trying to get them to sleep and they'd be looking at everything. I'm like, who is this walk for? Because it's certainly not for me. But um, going forward, they forever, they had a seven o'clock, seven o'clock at night, like go to bed at seven o'clock, seven o'clock. And now um, between my husband sleep and my sleep, I'm an early bed person. And so I've created two more of me because they really, they, everybody goes to bed early, um, except for my husband. He likes to stay up and, 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 and give himself a treat with sports and such. Um, so later on, it turns out that they were really good sleepers, but some of those times I felt like they weren't. <laughs> yeah. I'm very similar with some of my kids. They, they, um, some of them, in fact, all my kids sleep 
pretty well when I can convince them to actually go to sleep. <laughs> it takes a little while sometimes, especially as they get older and they decide they want to stay up and do oh, random, random things that said, no, you need your bedtime, go to sleep. So they are all grown up now and their childhood, was it, was it a happy childhood for them and for you guys? What was truly happy for us, um, looking at them, um, like as I guess I had a surprise when they were little and their hair was just starting to grow, like as a newborn and into like, like, you know, the first month or so. And I'm looking at their eyes and there's, you know, they have the blue eyes when they're first like little and then they develop their, their eye color. And I was so busy looking at their eye color that I didn't realize that they had this big curly head of hair and it was the cutest, both of them identical, cute little hair. And I was so pleasantly surprised because I never dreamed that they would have that beautiful curly hair like that. Um, and they still do. They still have that beautiful hair. And they have like hazel eyes like their dad. And that's, that's nice too. I like that combination. So the curls didn't come from me and the eyes didn't come from me. But people say they do look like me. I know I'm the mom. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you're going to advise, well, I know you've come to, you raised your children. And can you talk a little bit more about your marriage and how you, you've kept it strong and why you're so happy together? Yes, we're really happy together at this moment. And then there's times where we're not. But I think it's important um, not to dwell on the time that somebody's a little bit down. Um, because if one person's down and then you join in, now you have two down people. So if you're trying to say, okay, I, I see, you know, I see that. Um, and then when I was discussing this with my husband, just like, you know, how did we, how did we keep together like that? And then his response was like, it's important to stay humble. Um, and, and not worry and worry the world with your whole, you know, drama because, you know, there, there are, you know, dramatic times in my life. Um, my husband's really a steady Eddie guy. Like he, I, I love the way he is. He never speaks before he thinks. In fact, sometimes he thinks too long and he never speaks. And then I'm kind of waiting like, okay, okay, like how are we going to discuss this? But he never, he doesn't have that trigger, you know, to, to, to blurt out stuff like that. Um, and I was a little more of a hothead when I was younger. Um, so I think that I was joining in with that. And I think, um, I, I want to go back a little bit to, um, when I had my, my doctor's advice. Um, she said, why don't you get the, the injection for the birth control so that you don't get forget and be sleep deprived and then end up with twins. And I don't know how many people, how many people, my clients, they just love to say that, well, you're going to get pregnant again and you're going to have boys. And then so many people were talking about that. And, and she already said something. And so I, I got that injection. So I, I didn't forget it. Um, because again, I, we were writing down bowel movements. We were writing down who, who, who had white breasts on what side? We have these little pieces of paper everywhere. Who who went to the bathroom? Who aged? Who did this? Who did that? And it was like kind of figuring out that everybody was even, even, even trying to make sure that nobody was forgotten. So I did that. And immediately I realized that that shifted my hormones so much. And I'm like, three months? I don't want it in there now. I don't want it in there three minutes. And so I had to go through that whole and unfortunately, if your children, you know, if you're already going through those hormones. So I don't know what was what, but I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I, I regret that. I'm scared. I don't want that. So I never, I didn't want to have that in there and I was stuck with that. So that was kind of like a, yeah, that was one of those times where I was like really expressing I'm tired and, you know, I'm needing more. And I wasn't, I wasn't really like weighing my words properly. Um, and then after that, I was like, didn't want to go on any kind of birth control. And then my husband wasn't quite ready to do his, his part yet. So we had like a discussion one time, like you need to do this now because I can't keep doing that. Um, so that was a little bit of a, a slippery slope. And so then he came to terms with it and he got that taken care of. And then, you know, that was okay after that. Um, but it did, I did notice. And then, and then the doctor wanted to give me other medicine for my mood. So then I did, I did actually try something within those, I don't know, we'll say around the five month mark from pregnancy to this, 
and then, and so I'm not one to take anything now. And so I weaned myself off with that. And then he worked on his thing. And there was, we had a clash when I was going through all those meds and then he wasn't ready to do his part. So there was a crash then, but we managed, <laughs> managed to keep going. And um, traveling is really good. Um, he always wanted to keep going away with us, with the family or without. We tried to get someone to step in and, and get away. Um, for us, going to Cuba was really easy. And then you just go there and you're like nothing. Like you just sit and relax and soak up the sun in the, in the ocean. Um, and still we've traveled quite a bit and brought the family and, um, and then we did the, where we'll wed on dates ourselves. And then we'd go where I go on one date with one daughter and you go out with the other. And then we'd switch the next week. Um, and then we thought we forgot about that and then life got in the way, but you just always trying to, you know, just make somebody be heard and be seen. Um, because for twins, they were really good. They, um, shared things really well. Of course they had to. Um, I'd like to say that it was easy in a way because both children were doing the both interests of so that they're, they like the same games. They like the same television show. They like the same activity. So in that respect, it was, um, it was, it was really easy that way, but we wanted to be able to put in the work really hard at the beginning and make sure that we had the rewards afterwards. So we really made sure that, you know, we, we, um, we made them independent, but we also, you know, had this whole thing where we wanted them to know that they had us. Um, it wasn't too long and they were, you know, getting their own cereal and sitting in front of the TV in the morning and then those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, we managed and he was still climbing the corporate ladder. And by this time I had, um, incredibly, um, well, how do you say the word, um, dedicated client, like incredibly dedicated. So I never had to go look for work. Um, and I'm not like, I don't worry about money and I, and I not a, that's not my language really, but he, he's always has that inflow. So that made my not worry go okay because he, he's a has a good job. And, um, I was kind of doing the hair automatically by then. Like it, it wasn't like I had to go out and learn anything new. So it was relatively easy because it was, it was, it was a known skill. Um, and then we just kind of managed through different things. And then later on when the kids, um, we were talking earlier about me just having the English language and him having the French and I wanted the, and, and English, obviously. And I wanted to put my kids, um, I wanted to get them in there to get me, uh, because I was so close to Ottawa when I grew up that I should have had a French language, but it wasn't, it wasn't the thing in, when I was little. So we put them in the French school and, and that whole thing and, and that caused, um, more, um, what do you, um, I would have to be their taxi. Cause like, I, cause they just couldn't like just go across the street to the school anymore. And that was hard work. But again, now they both have that bilingual, um, you know, tongues and they can, they can use that in their work that they have now as two adult women. So that was, that was worth the effort. And you understand French? I can understand French when I know what the subject is. Um, and if somebody goes off onto another subject, I may have to ask some questions. Um, but that's okay. I don't mind doing that. Oh, so it sounds like that sacrifice was worth it. Well, it sounds like a lot of the sacrifices you've listed. It's nice to see the result from them coming out the back end of it. Everything that you've worked so hard for. We have two very different independent young ladies. Um, I'm referring to them here as twins because I'm trying to maybe just show a deeper picture of, of, of somebody that's just popping in on, on your podcast. Um, but I never referred to them as that. They had some friends would say, Hey, can the twins come over and play? Um, but I, I wanted them to know that they never had to be the same. Um, and they just, so, but they, you know, and to a point where they were identical in look like for a long time. And now they have different heights and different, like a little bit of different bone structure almost. So they've developed into their own person. Um, people still call them twins and people. So if you had a pie plate and you cut it out, they were identical here and they still are. But the rest of them developed to how, whatever way they needed. And uh, it's really interesting. And I, I love that they're, and some of them would be the leader. So one of them would be like the first time that they would be, they would ride their bike first. And then somebody would do soccer first. And, and then sometimes they'd be the second. So they, they each had, 
their strength and then their pullback. So it was nice to see when each of them kind of took the reins and uh, sometimes just let the other one see how that goes with them. And see, <laughs> then I'll, I'll learn from it. They're cute. And what have they decided to do now as they've grown? For work? Hmm. For work, for life, yeah. So we had, um, I back and forth, they were in and out of the Catholic school, in and out of the public school, and out of the French and English and such. Um, and then after um, they graduated high school, um, we had one that was um, going into kinesiology. And sometimes people don't know what that is, but the there's different terms for it. I don't know what another term would be. So she did her, uh, Chloe did her um, degree in, in kinesiology and Cassie had done her degree in um, psychology. And so Chloe stayed in Canada to do hers and Cassie went over into the USA for hers. So she went over the border for school. Um, and for us, it's just one little bridge away. So she was an international student with for her schooling. And then when Chloe finished her, her degree, she did her uh, master's in Barbados. So we had um, a combination with her university here was kind of a sister school and that she has a dual degree now in um, so exercise and sports and um, and also exercise and sports. So she has a dual degree in two. And then um, Cassandra, she stayed in the U.S. at the same school and she did her psychology degree or a master's degree there. So she actually spent six years in one school and she built such a community there. Um, Cassandra ran the whole time. One of the things that I would like to say, both both of the girls um, really depended on exercise and 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 um, sports through school. They weren't necessarily really good students. They had to work really hard. And my husband's a really good tutor, especially when you know he he'd work away um, a few days a week and then come back and they'd be sitting in the kitchen at the island and he would have to help them with the French terminology because when they're going in and out of English and French school. All now, all of a sudden, math terms are all in French. So he had to really tutor them, and he spent so much time with them, and that was great. And I just fed them. That's all I could do. Um, and then when when they both went away to their their degrees, they still ran. They did cross country. They did track. And um, so now both of them are finished their their masters and working in their field. Um, and Cassandra's still over in in Buffalo, waving over there over the river. Um, and even with her COVID thing, like she was over there. And so now she has a fella and she's living there and she got to, now she's working for the U.S. and as a teacher for um, children with intellectual um, needs. So any anything in autism or anything intellectual. So she's in a school and she's helping them as she loves her students. And then um, Chloe is here in Canada still and she's doing her, she's working in clinics with physio and such. So yeah, so they're both doing their thing. So you guys raised your kids and they found their careers and then COVID. So how did that change things for you? Um, well, I have a lot of interest like in the, in, in the spiritual side of things. And I love to like delve into that kind of thing. And I, I knew that something was happening because the world was talking about, you know, when the year 2000 was coming around, something's going to happen. And then when the year 2012 came around something is going to happen and 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 so i knew that there were some things happening in the spiritual sense so when the COVID thing happened i said i, I knew i knew something was coming down the pike and i said the only thing i demand is that we're all under the same roof so and we were so every so all of these times that they were away um luck would have it that we were all to stay in canada together and we were under the same roof and i loved it and my husband he because like i said he was working for um, we have a big canal system here and he was working in that, that canal system. And then you have these multi-million dollar shipping companies that are conversing with my husband. And he was on this other side of the wall where I was doing hairdressing. I had my little salon and then he had his office. And and I thought his multi-million dollar shipping people are not going to want to hear Cindy talking about whatever she talks about with her with her clients. Um, so then I had to tell my clients that, um, you know, that I, I was shutting down even after we did open up. But um, change the subject, actually, I wanted to say to my clients how what you're doing here with you supporting all the mums and that beautiful social bond that it, that you're creating with your podcast and having 
all of these moms coming on and that, you know, people are sharing their stories. So to help, you know, hold up and, and give somebody hope or that happened with me in my hair salon. I, um, I felt like I excelled myself quicker because I could do what my clients do, did with what they were doing well. And then when I could see that they weren't doing well, I could tell myself, don't do that. Don't do that. So stay away. So I felt like I had a, a, a quickening as far as, as my, my learning curve. So if, if, you know, you keep this going and your clients or your, your, um, your watchers keep watching you, I think they, they could have a quickening as far as what to do and what not to do. Um, because you don't always have to experience those things for yourself in order to get the lessons out of it. And, um, being a hairdresser was, was amazing. Uh, a lot of people really don't know that, but back in the ancient times, all the royals, they never let anybody touch their hair unless it was their priest or their priestess. So if you're choosing your hairdresser and you don't feel good about them, don't stay with them. Like, you know, have a, have a hairdresser that will, will, will have your best interest at heart. Um, and not to be afraid that, you know, to be beautified at the salon because that, that, you know, that's an important thing. And, um, I just love that social bond that you've created here on this platform. So thank you. And thank you to all the ladies that are going to watch for you. Thank you for that. And I also think it's really, I know the hairdresser, so many people say hairdressers are better than a therapist because you can just go and chat and get that connection and get the understanding without feeling like you're doing something terribly formal. It's more relaxed. I, I agree. Um, uh, you know, maybe if you just met your hairdresser once or twice and, and if you have a busy surrounding, it's not always that easy. And I was blessed with the, um, since the children were born that I always had a home salon. And it's funny because when I was 17 and I went to work for that lady, she had a home salon and um, I, I was thinking, oh, this is a little bit stale, but you grow into it. And then all of my clients grew with my age. So, so I kind of always had somebody in the same kind of thing. And then I got to experience like, um, you know, we talked about everything because nobody was listening and it was really great with that. And then I had people saying, oh, wait till you're going to be an empty nester. You're going to cry. You're going to cry. Well, I was prepared a year ahead of time because I had all these ladies that were going through this. And it turned out it was my husband that had the, the empty nest problem. And that was one of those times where we were hitting, hitting the crash because he was like traveling, 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 and he was away four days a week. And then he'd be home the other, the other days. And I was the one that was holding everything. And then it turned out that you know, it, all of a sudden he didn't know what to do with himself. It was an identity crisis for him too, because he spent so much time helping them with their homework. And, um, and then I, I, you know, we had to, I just had to hold the fort until we got through it. And it turned out that I did my morning like a year in advance. So I was the strong one for them when he went through it. And then we managed to get out of that. And then we, you know, managed to, to have our, and we liked being together in the house. In fact, because we got married so quickly and got the children so quickly, we never had the dating. So then we had that second chance of dating. And I would never want anybody to miss this, that time of dating again. Like it, you have another chance when the, when the kids are out of the house or at least at school. Until you have grandkids and then you're busy with them coming along. So the transition from um, a busy mom to suddenly not having that incessant or constant demand on your time you called you said you went through morning can you talk a little bit more about that i've never heard someone phrase it that way it makes sense but can you talk a little bit more about why it's a morning process and how you go through it so the empty nester does that is that it's familiar to you so yes so you invest everything in your, your pretty much your identity is, is being invested in being, you know, the, the mom. Um, I had that early on too. I remember when the kids were just four and they were going to school. And I remember calling up my mother on the phone and they're in school, but they're just at the same block. They were far. And I said to my mother, I'm like, is this all there is? This is it. This is all I have to do. I'm like, what am I going to do now? Because I want more of that. Like, I don't want them to go to school yet and I really believed that I was hurting and I believed that and I thought they're in school now that I'm done like I felt lost and she said no no you know you'll just do it in a different way there'll be more for you and to come to realize that quickly that just because they're in school doesn't mean that you're not a mother so 
but I did feel that and I had to like acknowledge that I felt that. And so with the empty nester coming around and when they were really away for school and, and they weren't in the house and you, you, yeah, I felt like it was a, a loss of me, probably not so much a loss of my, of my children because they're adult now. But, um, I felt like I was losing part of me because I invested so much in that. So again, it's good to have, keep your interests going and not just be your, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I'm not there yet, but I can already see it. Um, my mother is, you know, retired recently and my father will be retiring soon as well. And it's just, it's something my mom always cautioned us against. She said, don't rely on your kids to be your source of your self-esteem and your source of the only love because they will grow up and leave. They're supposed to do that. You need to have something. You need to have who you are as well. That's why I like that my work was also my social um, and I didn't have to go anywhere for it. It came to my door like every day, like clock, clock work, people would come and, and, you know, it was social. Um, but then again, I, you know, every time I would like get in the car and go somewhere and, and be social, like, oh yeah, I missed that. So I have to remind myself too, that I need to get out and, and do that kind of thing, especially now that we're both retired. Um, but like who retires at 51? <laughs> like, it's amazing that I could be a hairdresser and still retire. Um, and we made, we made immense, like sacrifices for that. You know, we had, we have, this is our third house now and, and, um, we downsized so that we could make life more simpler. So it's not like we're living up the highlights and, and spending, spending, spending. And my husband has an amazing, um, um, with it. It's not just how, what you make, but it's what you spend. So if you can try to be, you know, a little more thrifty and, and you don't have to like have everything that was all brand new. And, um, I love doing that kind of thing and that's fine. And I, I love being home. Um, so that's interesting too, but I have like the other side of me where I kind of have like the counseling coaching thing that goes with my spiritual. So I still have a connection with people and then, you know, doing this kind of social thing with you. It's amazing that we have these platforms to come to my living or to my bedroom that uh, we can share this with your other moms. So you shifted into the counseling and coaching as well then? It was an easy um, progression because with you're saying, you know, with your hairdresser, you're always, you know, somebody's always telling them something. And I was always educating on like myself on others, other means like taking my courses and, and not here, but like the other. So, you know, it was, it was an easy progression with me. Um, so I get able to do that. And, um, and you can do that from remote too. Like you can't do hair from a remote, but you can still do your other kind of counseling thingies when you're on your Zoom through the COVID thing. So that was good. That was a good filler for, um, but I'm wondering about those little kids at home. Um, but I also wanted to bring that out too. So that right now we have a harder time, um, being the influence on our children, because even when my kids were little, you lose that, you lose that influence when the kids are in school and their social circles. And then now that's like, you know, exponential with like the social media and then how they had to do school online. And so there's proof that says that, you know, you use different parts of your brain whenever you're making eye contact. So not through a screen, like actual organic connections. Um, so I would encourage uh, mommies to like have play time with their kids and make sure that they get out there and they get that. Even if you have to be with them for a while, there was, there was some trauma that was happening with those home birthdays and people didn't, they didn't want to go. They'd rather do a Zoom birthday than a home birthday after COVID. Not my kids, because they're older than that. But have you heard that during the COVID and after the whole thing? I don't know if if the UK was as weird as we were in Canada, but it was pretty pretty um, shocking. So yeah, so I encourage the kids to, to get out, but also too to have that mommy bond and daddy bond so that we can influence them um, in a healthy way. You dropped some really good gems throughout this conversation, some uh, of your advice for... Well, for the birth and then also for the sleep, having how it's better to have the children with you and, and to give them that bonding time. And then just now what you said as well about the eye contact and all that sort of thing. These are the little things that I think are intuitive, but unless someone states it out loud, oftentimes we don't really put our attention there. 
and our, our focus on it. That makes sense. So I, I feel like um, I feel like the children really need wise examples in their life because there was that that delicate age before they're seven. Um, they have their intuitions wide open, and then when they go to school, it's all closed down, and so they, they you know they lose their their imaginary friend. They they lose you know the whole you know playing and talking to themselves because it's it's not okay at school. And then somebody, then it kind of like gets shunned if you still have your imaginary, if you're still a child. So I would try to say, let your child stay a child for as long as they can. And, um, you know, they mimic, they mimic us. So if we can be playful, then that'll help them. You know, if we can be playful with them beyond their years of seven, eight, nine, and still be playful, uh, I think that's a really good example. Oh, that's, I feel like that's a, something I should be putting on Instagram as a quote. That's a lovely way of stating it. And it, it saddens me that school drums out that creativity. <laughs> it really should be celebrated and augmented instead. And I think a lot of schools are now seeing the benefit of that, but it is a very long and slow shift toward letting children be more creative. I know some countries really embrace it, but unfortunately, a lot of Westernized countries don't do that so much. Yeah. Read to our children, too. Sorry? Read to our children. Yes. Y yes. So many benefits of reading to your children. You've got the physical contact of sitting on mommy's lap and all those wonderful benefits. You've got, well, th there's infinite benefits of reading to your kids, really. <laughs> so many mental, social physical, all of it. It's a big question. Cindy, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us before we finish? Well, I shared a lot. You did, yes. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening to me. I, I can really go on and and that's because I'm a hairdresser and, and I just can't stop talking. Um, but I thought about this and I, and I really wanted to work with your criteria as far as what you're doing with your podcast. So I, I, prepared that you know I wanted to sh you know share some of these nuggets I'm sure I have a ton of, of you know things that I probably forgot um, but again the social bond between you know, you know the parents and the and the children um, outside of the school and and the mommies between mommies and um, you know to really and 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 a mentor mommy on uh, you know someone that's that's um, you know like the grandmother and, and let, let the grandmother be a part of because they're, they're looking at it from another point um, or even just a neighbor mommy. I had the most wonderful neighbor mommy and um, she really helped. And when she was young and or when the kids were young and she was my neighbor and, and she witnessed what was happening and the, I was going somewhere with the kids and then we were ready to go and they were in the backyard and they came out and then I'm and then something happened and I was just about to tell them they weren't going. And then um, I said, oh, you know, we're not going, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll go again. And I didn't really think too much of it. And then she said, wow, like, they're not upset that they're not going. And I'm like, oh, I guess not. They're just like playing in the backyard. She was, wow, those kids are resilient. And I'm like, let's go look that up because I have no idea what I just did and how this all happened. But it happened without me knowing. But if we could use that as a tool now to help our children be resilient. I think that, you know, I think that's a really good tool. Yeah. Resiliency is one of the core attributes that people need, especially with all the craziness that's happening in our world. We need to be resilient. We have to be. So most of the things that I have gone through, I fell through life and I'm lucky that somebody was steering me along. Like, you know, I, I thought like, you know, I didn't really do a lot of this decision making on my own. And, um, but if we can be, you know, aware and make those decisions um, on purpose, if we're not all the same personality that I have, then I think that's a really good um, thing to, you know, to learn from and say, okay, I want to do that. I want to make sure that I set the stage up that when something happens and, and, you know, the children are doing what they're, what they thought they were. Um, and, and the distraction thing, you know, instead of taking it away, but you say, oh, but you can have this instead. And so give them something else. If you can do that, um, that way, you know, give them a, give them a choice to be resilient instead of like upset about this situation. Yeah. So instead of just depriving, you provide a, some, an alternative 
and then that helps them to engage with something that's worthwhile instead of just sitting there feeling like they've been robbed whatever it was <laughs> thank you for your time Sibby. um if people want to follow you or learn about your counseling or coaching or any of that where would they go to look for your information so I uh, really like the the Facebook platform for this age of, of me ladies. Um, I find that that's where a lot of this, you know, a lot of the interaction comes. Um, so I have uh, my Facebook page is my maiden name first. I think I should change that. But um, it's, it's Cindy Shonower Nolay. And I have uh, my side business is called Ruby Vision Empowerment. And that's also on Facebook too. So I think those are the things. And then I can always drop my email. It's just my name, Cindy Nolay at hotmail.com. So I don't know if you put things in the links after. Um, yeah, we'll link it below. Yeah. Yeah. So those are three C ways. Um, yeah. And basically, I'm always here. <laughs> Great. Always here. All right. Well, what I'll do is um, we'll finish up with the recording, chat with you a little bit. And I just want to say thanks to everybody who has listened to Cindy's love story. It's a very nice, a nice, um, what would I say? It's, it's just, it kind of makes you feel like there's hope for all the hard things that we go through in life. Thank you for that inspiration. It's really nice to have that, to have that light at the end of the tunnel for so many people who are going through the long, hard slog of taking care of little kids and running around and taking kids to different all their different uh, activities and things. So thank you so much. And um, we will see everyone again later. Have a good day. Bye.